Welcome to the Bill Cartwright Show with Steve Cohen. Our special guest today is Mr. Don Levine. Don, welcome to the show. Hello, Bill. Hello, Steve. Now, you know, what's always interesting to me is that um, is just being able to talk about people as they grew up. Of course, we've known each other for such a long time. Um, tell me a little bit about, you know, what I don't know is tell me about your dad and mom as we were growing up. I, I knew what your dad did, but let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, you took advantage of that once or twice, if I remember correctly. <laughs> Old secrets. <laughs> uh, my dad and my mom, you know, used to come out to the house, and uh, we lived out there by Valley High Country Club, and used to come out there, and we'd go and hit a few golf balls and eat my parents' food. And, you know, my dad was an attorney, as you know. My mom was real estate. My mom's still around. My dad passed away a few years ago. But, uh, yeah, they all... Um, you know, we're all, it was great. You know, they all knew Bill since uh, when I met Bill in 1971. So it's been 50 years now since Bill and I have known each other. So we were just talking the other day. We're probably the longest, you know, friendship that we've stuck around with for each other. For So it's been really interesting. But yeah, yeah, my, my, my parents are great. My mom still is great. All, you know, it's good. I miss my dad. You know, like, you know, you miss your mom. I understand. It's tough, but you get older stuff happens. But yeah, so that was lucky to move out to El Grove, out to Valley High there, where I met you and a bunch of other, you know, friends and we've had our whole life growing up now. But uh, yeah, so that was good. That was good. I was happy with that. Can you explain why you feel lucky to have to know Bill? In case people are questioning why you feel lucky. Um, now, I'd say if I could be totally straight right here. I don't know if I can, Steve. Uh no, Bill, Bill and I, I met him when he was a kid and he had a broken arm and uh, in a class we had a junior high and I don't know. It's just uh, when I first time he played basketball and we ended up, oh, he played basketball, so do I. So we were playing on the team and it was like, he was just, he was just a friend from then. That was, that was just it from then. They just, you know, happened to be whatever. I knew, I knew we always laugh and say, yeah, I, 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 new bill bill win or whatever however you want to say it so yeah it's been it's been i just i felt i've been lucky to know the guy for all those years he's been there when i've needed him and hopefully vice versa we've crossed paths for 50 years across the country and around his oldest was proud to give me chick, chicken pox one year on my way overseas and but uh we've had a lot of things yeah it's, it's been a great great 50 years knowing him can you talk about as you went to El Grove High School. Now, we went to junior high school together as well at, uh, at, at Joseph Kerr. But talk about your introduction to golf and talk about your golfing career at El Grove High School. Yeah. My dad, you know, was a, was a pretty decent golfer. He's pretty good. He's club champ a bunch of times at Valley High, and he kind of wanted to get me into it. So I started when I was about eight years old and just kind of, you know, just like you playing basketball, it's just what I did. You know, you do it and you get to the point where you get pretty decent at it because you do it a lot. And yeah, I was fortunate enough at Elk Grove to be, I was number one ranked uh, junior in, in Sacramento, winning city championship a few times, and doing that from Elk Grove. And, uh, you know, so that, that was great. Um, then was able to, you know, get a scholarship, college scholarship, uh, 
with after my performance in high school. So, um, yeah, that's where it kind of started. Absolutely. Now, like me, you had, um, did you have rivals in, uh, at, at Elk Grove? Who's, who was your, like, your rival, your best golfer uh, that you would go after? Good question. I, I don't know. There's a couple other guys who are pretty good, but it was kind of spread out in golf where, you know, was a, there, there was a few pretty good players, but we didn't cross paths as much, only in kind of tournaments outside of high school. One team, I think, was McClatchy. They were pretty good. We're all Metro League back then. And um, and I think Christian Brothers. But I don't remember a lot of the individual players then. I really didn't have any, you know, real rivals then that I kind of think off the top of my head. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, you just got to introduce a lot of different players and, and stuff like that. Then as you moved on, then you started getting more equitable competition kind of more of an even playing field. And I think you start developing a little bit of rivalry here and there, whether it's a different school when college or when you turn pro and you know, guys you want to beat, they want to beat you and, you know, natural competition. You know, when I was in high school, we played a game and beat a team actually 22 to one, which is really bizarre. I know. <laughs> so I was there. I remember it was, four, it was four to nothing at halftime. I remember. It was really a bizarre game. Have, <laughs> you, ever had a, game. have <laughs> you ever had a golf match that was really bizarre? By a situation, let me think about it. Off the top of my head, I remember going back to four or five of us traveled together. About four of us traveled back to uh, just before the NCAA championship in 1979. We went back to Pinehurst, North Carolina, and played a tournament. It was called the North-South Amateur. And then you qualified to get a match play. There's like, you know, 200 guys qualifying, I think, then. Luckily, I was exempt in the match play because I had a good performance at the United States Amateur the year before. But um, ironically, one of the guys that qualified, I played in the first round, was a guy I was traveled with, a room with, out of 200 guys. It was, uh, it was pretty, you know, you couldn't really even guess that would happen. And I remember I was lucky enough to beat him. But, uh, but that, was, uh, that was pretty bizarre as far as that goes. Uh, far as happenings um uh yeah i've had some um uh, disappointments and some some good stuff bad stuff uh one of my bigger disappointments was i was playing in the quarterfinals of the united states amateur back in new jersey and um the winner of that match uh got to the masters that you would take semifinals uh back in the day and uh i had a two-up lead on the guy uh with about seven holes to go and I end up losing. I don't remember how it ends, but uh, yeah, but I've had, you know, my, my, my share of good stuff too, but you know, tend to remember the stuff that's not good though. Can you talk to us about um, San Jose state? One thing, how does that happen? Okay. Uh, how did you end down, up down there? Good question. Kind of back then the recruiting, all that was really different. Um, like when you played and stuff, everything was kind of done out of the high school. You could see who was who and there and, Back in, in golf and then the high school, guys really couldn't tell much. It was more done through junior tournaments and the other competitions that gave you, um, uh, you, you know, let the other coaches see you and, um, and and figure out if you were any good or not. And I ended up going there. My dad went there. Uh, ironically, it was the same coach as when my dad went there when I went there. And um, 
yeah, and they knew I was like number one player in Sacramento. That's all they really knew. He didn't really, you know, know much other than that because they didn't have the access today with the with the recruiting, with the computers and all that stuff. And um, I was fortunate to go there when my dad's good friend was one of the big um, recruiters down there, boosters, I should say, from San Jose State. He's a very successful man. We went down there and just kind of hooked up with a coach, and I was able to go there. And in four years, I did not play in the first tournament because the coach chose the tur- chose the team. And after that, it was my fall freshman year. I never missed an event. I qualified for every event and um, was definitely earned, earned my scholarship. And the coach was happy he had me. I was able to be a two-time All-American there and, you know, played for four years. So had some good times there. And I remember bopping up a couple times in San Francisco, hanging out with you in, the, in those <laughs> days. And, uh, you know, that was uh, you know, bringing my buddies up. That was uh, fun stuff. Ended up being a good spot, and uh, I was happy I went there. So as you're leaving school, um, what are you thinking? Do you think you're ready to be a professional golfer? You know, that's a good question. The, the You know, I played against all these guys, and, you know, I was a, you know, being a two-time All-American, I played against all the guys and saw myself as an elite college player, and, uh, I don't know. I, I, I just had a lot of a uh, very a lot of belief in myself and um, knew how my game stacked up against my peers and and had a pretty pretty positive outlook that I could be able to make the PGA tour. So yeah, I, I was uh, I, I was looking right ahead at it, not looking not looking back at anything. No. Can you talk about that first year? Yeah, I uh, got my, my first year I turned pro. I played mini tours, kicked around. I uh, was pretty successful. Then I was able to get my uh, PGA Tour card, just my second um, PGA Tour school. And um, I was very young to get it uh, back then, which, which was great. But like I said, it was what I expected to do. And first year was good. It was a learning experience, but I was physically very good player. And uh, I matched up well. Um, I was fortunate to be a, a pretty long driver of the golf ball even for my size and that really helped out there and gave me a lot of confidence and um, had a lot of a lot of good tournaments a lot of learning experiences but in the end uh, I almost won a tournament at the end of the year and uh, was able to secure my playing privileges for the next year and um, things were looking up at that point. Now did you I was lucky when I got into the league I, because I had guys like Marvin Webster and Truck Robinson to kind of mentor me. Did you, did you have somebody that you could talk to who had been in, um, who had played, been playing and uh, could kind of help you along? That's a, that's a great question. And that's uh, sometimes this is where things get lost still in, in the team sport and individual sport. I think when you finished up and, being a big thing in golf was this. If you, if you didn't have a let's say I shot 73, you know, and you got to play better than that. And it's like guys that ask how you play, you shot 73, they all wish you shot 74. So it's a little different dynamic there because everybody was out kind of for their own to kind of the lack of the team atmosphere kind of led to that. But I had some, I met some, some friends and acquaintances that have been on the tour for a while. And, um, yeah, a lot of them were, some were positive here and there. I remember a couple guys, um, I remember playing the big tournament and 
kind of hit a shot over the green the last ball. I played with Roger Maltby back in the day. And, you know, because Roger was San Jose State, too. I, we didn't go at the same time. But, you know, he's a real established player. And kind of aggravated. He goes, Don, Don, don't. Because you still got to get this ball up and down. Focus, focus. And I, I was playing really good in the tournament. He was kind of fell back that day. But he kind of – I remember that to this day that, you know, he didn't have to do that. And he was able to do that. So, you know, to answer your question, not not so much, but um, you had your friends out there and stuff like that. But like like, like I said, it's you, whatever you shot, they always you shot one shot higher. <laughs> now, I played in a lot of memorable games. What's your most memorable match you ever played in? Um. I played that last round of the Texas Open that year when I almost won. That was that was really really a memorable memorable day um, because the atmosphere and the amount of people and everything and and um, just getting through that day and trusting what I could do in that environment was great. Uh, yeah, um, had some good matches. U.S. Amateur. I remember beating some guys. I remember those specifically. Uh, my most memorable day day though, Bill, probably have to be the last round of the Tour School Finals because that's the epitome of all golf tournaments people think it's all these major championships and all this stuff but it's not it's it's the tour school where you get your playing privileges and get on the tour and i remember that last round i remember standing over about three foot putt in the last hole thinking this i gotta make it to make it i shook it in and sure enough that, that got me in so that's probably my most memorable moment and uh and round in my in my life was that because of the importance of that more so than when i played in the u.s open and British Open, and all the other stuff, uh, much more than that. You know, I, was, uh, I wasn't the greatest athletic player. So when I saw it, when I first got into the league, um, I played with some really just great, great players, Hall of Fame players. Who, give me some of the great players that you played with. Okay. Um, I played with uh, Lee Trevino. I played with Tom Weisskopf. I played, uh, never played with Jack Nicholas. I played, uh, let me think, there's a few other really great ones. But the ironic thing is, is, is I was telling somebody this the other day, this is kind of a, a weird deal. Probably the only guy in the world to do something, which is, you know, kind of unique in itself. I played golf in a tournament with Tiger Woods when he was 16 years old. It's qualified. I played golf in a tournament with Rory McIlroy when he was 16 years old. So I played with both those guys when they were both 16 years old. One was qualifying for the U.S. Open, the other was qualifying for the Australian Open. It was kind of unique. So that that was those are pretty two decent players, I'm thinking. And then I always got to put my son in there. There was an, a better ball striker in the world than my son, so I got to put him in there too. I, I I can remember you telling me some. Uh a story about when you were overseas and this is, I don't think this is when I got you sick, but uh, there was a backup on the course and you couldn't play because there was some kind of animal on the green. Yes. Yes. We, it was when you got me sick. That probably was when, when Justy got no. Uh, yeah. I was in uh we were in South Africa. I play on that tour. For like five different years i was uh, fortunate to win over there one year i was the first american in 17 years to win over there so that was a that was a highlight too i guess i forgot you know but that that, that was exciting for me and uh yeah we were playing a tournament down a place called palabora um and it was kind of a a 
a mining camp thing, but it bordered what was called Kruger National Game Park, which is, um, you know, we're basically deepest, darkest Africa with all the animals. So we got to a par four. We walked there with a group of about four guys on the, four groups on the tee. And we go, what the heck's going on? You know, what's, what's the holdup? Well, the guy says, oh, there's a lion in the bunker by the green. <laughs> we go, okay. I'm sizing everybody up. Who can I outrun? Because all I got to do is outrun somebody. I'm going to be all right. <laughs> Wait, so how did you do in the tournament with the lion? How did you do? You Was that the tournament you won, Don? No, but I played great that week. I think I had a top 10 that week. I played really well. But um, I do because I played there once. I played really well that week. But that was uh, – yeah, then we played holes where the 17th hole was a, was a big lake in front. You walk over this footbridge. It wasn't much bigger, taller than the lake. And there were hippos in the lake, bait and stuff like this. Then we find out later that the animal that kills more men in Africa is the hippo. <laughs> we went, oh, my gosh. I wouldn't even think about it at the time until we were given that information. Like, oh. So, yeah, that was the same golf course. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it was absolutely crazy. I was just going to ask you, I think just one of the interesting things, obviously we could ask you a lot about the differences between team sports and an individual sport like golf, but why, what made you a successful golfer and what could have made you even more successful? You know? Uh, good question. I think my determination because I wasn't the biggest guy in the world. So I kind of carried that to the way where I used my determination. I, I just wanted to be better than the other guys. So I trained myself to hit the golf ball a long way. And, and uh, just because I felt I had to do with that. And I just had the inner thing as, as, you know, as Bill knows very well, you have to have that inner killer instinct and to get you through though. I think what would have made me better, Steve was probably had I not got hurt. I got hurt after that first year, I damaged my hand. And I tried to continue playing. I hit a tree root in a tournament in Mexico. I was invited to a tournament in Mexico. There's only like about five Americans invited. I was one. It was great. I think Crenshaw, Trevino, Ray Floyd, myself, and Fred Couples. So that, that was it. Because I had a pretty successful first year in that group. And I tried to come next year. I didn't have a man. I was like a 22 year old kid. I didn't have a manager. I didn't have an agent. I, I didn't have anybody to really direct me. And, uh, you know, I would have taken probably a full year of a, a medical, which uh, I had my son do. My son damaged his thumb. I told him, look, learn my lesson, take a whole full year of medical and get well 100% before you go back. So that is the number one thing, Steve, or, you know, who knows? I might have been a pretty good player through the years, but wish if it wasn't go back in time moments, that would be mine in a heartbeat right there. Nah, hit that shot, hit that tree. Things could have turned out. That's happened to people before, right? They try and get back too quickly, and an injury derails them. Bill, I'm yeah. sure you know tons of people that's happened to, right? Absolutely. Yeah, but I'm I'm number one poster boy for that. Absolutely, yeah. So, Don, talk about teaching. What led you into that? Yeah, that's a good question. I played – I was still going overseas playing after I had my injury when I went to Africa a bunch of times. I went to Europe and – I went other places and still played and still had the, you know, desire to play and, and uh, still hung in there for a while and then had a situation. I was heading back to Africa actually in 1989 and a situation arose in my personal life. And 
jumped into a, a golf course. What am I going to do now? And so I went to work at a golf course and started teaching a little bit. And I found that was kind of my my niche in the game, so I could still be with the game. I said, "Thank you." I sold real estate for a while, stuff, then towards uh, teaching golf because it was something I um I did. It was easy for me, and I was um, very good at it. Easy for me so I thought you know that's probably what I should stick with and do it's what I know most about and uh you know through the years uh become pr pretty decent at what I do so yeah so you know it's just you know 30 years of it Bill 30 years of, of, of teaching golf I figured I'd give over 80,000 golf lessons in my life so when people come up say I bet you haven't seen this before and I laugh I go yeah probably about a thousand times well what are the kind of things people talk about like a hitch in their swing or you've seen probably every kind of malfunction in the swing, yeah. including Bill's. Yeah. Yeah. Bill's not bad though. Bill's not bad at all. Oh, he's very good. And uh, he's, he's talked bad. about it. He, he's talked about how it doesn't mean as much to him for his golfer or other people he plays with take it very personally, right? Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's, you know, it's kind of like this when I'm teaching guys and stuff. It's uh, when you ask me about there, there are typical flaws players will have. There, there are typical flaws that I see more typical certain players. But you, you just you just get a feel. There's nothing. It's funny, see, because people call me or tell me I'll deal. You know, this blah 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 on the phone about their game, and I just smile. So I'll be up there, and they can talk to me for a while about it. I make two swings. Okay, this is what's going on. I, this, I understand your interpretation, what you feel. I always see myself as the same as marriage counselor, Steve, and that sometimes we see couples and they, they kind of don't know what's going on between each other, but it's very evident. And when, same as a golfer, they think they know what's going on, but usually it's not even close. So I really enlighten some people. A lot of people are very, very happy. They come and literally look at me and say, I never, I never would have thought that. So it, there's nothing universal, but there are some consistent flaws that people do make yet. And what makes the best golf? Everybody's so interested in improving their golf game. What makes a good student? That's that's the great. What makes a good student? Or what makes um, what's a higher ceiling? Okay, a higher ceiling is a good student is just somebody who does what I tell them to do. You'd be surprised. People, a lot of people don't. They'll come back and I'll say, "Well, did you even tell you what I did you do?" I mean, I can tell them the very next lesson they come back the first swing whether they've done what i want them to do um what makes a better golfer ceiling wise people have asked me that before and i've come to the conclusion that very simple thing it's whether that person played golf as a kid or not very simple like to me one great athlete one crap athlete if the crap athlete played golf as a kid he will have a higher ceiling I guess that speaks also to the whole Malcolm Gladwell 10,000 hours idea, right? Like you and your son have probably played so many hours of yeah. golf, right? And and you yeah. could get more hours yeah. if you start yeah, when you're exactly. younger. You could avoid bad habits, and right? Absolutely. I think when we get older, I think our brain gets too active, you know? And, and I'll, have, I'll have students come to me sometimes and they'll tell me, 15 minutes dissertation of what they're trying to do and everything. And I look at them, I say, God, how can this guy even hit a ball? His brain's completely saturated with all this stuff. 
yeah, um, you're right. It's the innate thing you do as a kid and then the repetition of the muscle memory, 10,000 hours, whatever that number is, to change your what you default to to something that's going to be a little bit more, you know, proficient in, in, in creating a good golf shot. And it's very, very hard for people. But people can make the change if they want. But it, ta- it takes some work. It, take- it definitely takes some work. But it can be done. I've seen it done many times. Talk to me a little bit about, uh, and I don't want to use a lot of time with Spence because Spence has his own story. Um, but what do you think made him such a great ball striker uh, and at such a young age? Yeah, when he was young, as, as, as you know, Bill, he played baseball his whole life. He played baseball to his 15. And it's kind of a unique way, the way that I got him into golf, and I'm so with, so I'll tell you guys this here too, is kind of this. Once I went through it and did it my life, and such a hard road and all this stuff, I really didn't want him to do it. I, he was a very gifted baseball kid. But when he was little, when he was like 10 or 11, I would sign him a tournament. Not, he never played golf. For recreation or player, I always for pleasure. I always wanted him to associate golf with competition. So he never played for fun, never went out with his buddies. It was always this is what you do on the range. And every time he played around the golf, it was under in competition. So I want him always feel that. So I figured if he ever wanted to really do this someday, that we were set the groundwork for that. And then when he decided he kind of wanted to maybe gravitate towards that way, I said, okay, I'm going to teach you the perfect mechanics and fundamentals of the golf swing. I need you to do this because I'm not going to, you know, if you're going to do this, we're going to go all in and do this, make you the best player we can make you. And he was very good with that. And we went, broke stuff down and gave him drills to do, and um, which gave him to be a wonderful physical golfer, wonderful. Then he had that, you know, inside guts that he had that, you know, going back when he played five state championship um, uh, baseball tournaments and he pitched four of them and he didn't throw one pitch in the tournament the whole time until champ- state championship game, the coach always gave him the ball because he said he had the biggest you-know-whats and he wanted him with the ball. And that's why I think it carried over for golf for him. He was, the individualism was, uh, was good. Uh, one of the last things we're going to talk about is – when are, when is Don Levine going to be in the senior tour? That's what I'm <laughs> waiting for. <laughs> Don, unless I got a super one. Don Levine tried to qualify a couple of times. I went to the finals like about four or five times. Went back to Florida. Didn't quite. It, it's a little tough little deal. They got about five cars they give out to everybody in the whole country. So, and then you you know teaching all the time and trying to yeah I try to qualify for a few events here and there. Um, knock on the door. Behind you're open and the AT and the Pebble one, so it's uh I don't know I think those days are gone, but I can still compete. I I I can still play okay. Well, we uh, along with myself and um, um, my buddies, of course, my family, we would love to see it back out there. So uh, you know, we um, you know, for us, you are our best golfer we've ever seen. So we just really love to see it we love to see spence play uh um, yeah yeah hopefully he gets back out there he's playing as good as ever just needs the opportunity hopefully he'll be okay 
Steve, leave me with the closing question. Yeah, um, I was going to ask you about um, how did you, you were talking about like training Spencer and, and coaching him. How did you avoid being the great Santini or, yeah. you, you know, do, you know, being a domineering parent coaching no, that, your son? Yeah. That, that is a great question because I, we all see that. Absolutely. We all see that some for the good, some for the not good. Um, I've always, I tell all my, I'll get that one second. I tell all my students and their parents come they look, parent involvement is absolutely great. You need the parent to be involved in what the kid does, all this stuff. What, and that's a great question. We call it dad buckets, coach buckets, you know, try to compartmentalize things and very, very hard. It's a, it's a lot of times, Steve, as you can imagine, um, because it was hard to separate that on occasion. But the thing was like this, it'd be like, he would know when every time we would have a little back and forth about something, he'd say, you know, he'd do kind of end up doing what I want to do. He'd say, you know, dad, you were right. Well, 99 of a hundred times he'd say, dad, you were right. And always acquiesced and did what I kind of wanted him to do. And it worked out pretty good. So that was a tough dynamic. No doubt about it. It's, um, it's, uh, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was hard to uh, coordinate the two. It really was. Well, it seems like you did an amazing job. So congratulations, you know. Well, thank and, you. Yeah, it's yeah. hard. Appreciate yeah. That. yeah, and it's still going on. So Yeah. Oh, yeah, um, we're still playing. We're still playing. Well, Donnie, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks. We really, really appreciate it. Uh, we're looking to get together this summer. Maybe we can get Steve to come down and uh, play a little golf. Now, that would be a good chuckle. 